Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to exclusive content brought to you by Seekers Guidance. We are committed to make reliable Islamic knowledge accessible and free of charge. Help us in our mission by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org slash donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ونبينا محمد ذي القدر العظيم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا As we continue to look at Imam Al-Haddad's book of assistance on embracing excellence on the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He tells us in the section about two more of the central nurturing virtues and these are patience and gratitude sabr and shukr one of the senior scholars of Pakistan has a small book on 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 the way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he relates this anecdote that this elderly couple husband and wife were sitting together and the husband said to his wife that Dear, between you and me, we complete all the perfection of faith. And aunties aren't easily swayed by sweet talk. So he says, how is that? He says, well, because when I think of you and how terrible you are and how bad you are to me then I c- and how patient I have to be with you, then I fulfill the, the station of sabr, of patience. And that is half of the faith. And when I think of what a wonderful husband I am and what a great blessing I am in your life and how grateful you must be to Allah for a blessing like me, then you must have gratitude. And that's the other half of faith. So between you and me, we complete the whole of faith. And many of the, the scholars mentioned that faith, that patience is half of faith and gratitude is the other half. So we looked at hope and fear. Likewise, patience. Patience or steadfastness and gratitude are two great virtues as well. So Imam al-Haddad says, hold fast to gratitude because it is the foundation of this matter. Foundation of this matter of religion, of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you have absolute need for it as long as, as, long as you remain in this worldly abode. And patience or steadfastness, sabr, is one of the noble traits of character and one of the most tremendous virtues, fadail. Allah Most High says, O you who believe, seek assistance in patience and in prayer. Indeed, Allah is with the patient. From Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 153. Indeed, Allah is with the patient and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and we made from them leaders a'imma yahduna bi'amrina who guide by our command lemma sabaru once they were steadfast once they were steadfastly patient so sabr is a key right to all attainment. Allah is with the patient. So, so Allah, 
the key to the withness with Allah, right, of being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is patience. A key to rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is patience. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, also says in Surah Az-Zumar, إِنَّمَا يُوَفَّى الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Truly, the patient shall be granted their reward beyond reckoning. Either without reckoning or beyond reckoning. And the Messenger ﷺ is related to have said that patience or steadfastness is the leader of the armies of the believer. Right? It's been related in tradition that patience is the leader of the armies of the believer. That what is it that gives you victory over? Because what, what you, know, you need a, to marshal an army against your enemies. Your enemies being your lower self, your whims, your worldly inclinations, uh, the whisperings of the shaitan, etc. And the leader of, of the armies of the believer is patience. Without it, the army is in disarray. And it is also become in prophetic tradition that patience with respect to the things that you dislike is a means of great good. Right? That the test of patience is to bear with the things that are dislikable or displeasing. And in the counsel of our beloved Prophet ﷺ to Ibn Abbas عنه, which is one of the hadiths in the 40 Nawawi, it's hadith number 19. The Prophet ﷺ said to Sayyidina Ibn Abbas and Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas at that time was around 10 or 11. The hadith begins, Ya Ghulam, O, o dear child. Right? And this is one of the things we, we notice that the Prophet ﷺ instilled and taught the companions to instill virtues in, the chil in, in, in their children. So he said right, to Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ النَّصْرَ مَعَ الصَّبْرِ Know that victory is through patience. وَأَنَّ الْفَرَجَ مَعَ الْكَرْبِ And know that openings come through difficulties. وَأَنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَ And truly, with hardship comes ease. So, Imam al-Haddad says, And know well that felicity is dependent upon Attaining closeness to Allah, felicity, sa'ada, is dependent upon the attainment of closeness with Allah. Right? Who are the people of felicity? Those who attain closeness to Allah. As the poet said, Man, man fatahu minka waslun hadhuhun nadamu. Right? Whoever misses out on closeness with you, all they have is regret and remorse. But he says that closeness to Allah, its attainment is contingent upon following the truth and turning away from falsehood steadfastly. But 
each of us has a nafs, has a lower self that is naturally inclined by its very temperament to dislike the truth and to incline towards falsehood. That's just the nature of the self. The self is fickle. And given the fickleness of the self, it's not going to stick to what will cause you to attain unto closeness with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, whoever's concern, whoever's hem, is the attainment of felicity, will inevitably be in need of patience. Sometimes to force one's lower self to follow the truth, that this is the right thing to do, but it's disinclined. Uh, it has 101 tricks not to do it. So you have to force it to do what is right. And other times, uh, someone seeking felicity will have to make oneself leave what is wrong. Right? So in both cases, this requires sabr, requires patience. So we see that there's two types of patience. Patience in adhering to the commands of Allah, despite one's disinclinations, and patience in steadfastly leaving what is prohibited or displeasing to Allah or disadvantageous to us, despite one's inclinations towards it. So he says that sabr, patience or steadfastness is of four types. The first is patience in acts of obedience. Patience in acts of obedience. And they say this is the easiest thing, because if one were to think, acts of obedience make sense. But most people don't think but the, the benefit of them is rationally very clear. And the nafs can easily become accustomed to them. But this patience in act of, acts of obedience is attained inwardly through sincerity, ikhlas. So if we struggle to remain committed to the acts of obedience, we need to remind ourselves of why we're doing it. That, you know what it means to have closeness with Allah, what does it mean to have the good pleasure of Allah, what does it mean to have reward, that the next life is better than this life. So to the extent we can remember those realities and seek them, which is sincerity, to act seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His closeness and His reward, to that extent, sticking to, you know, holding oneself to acts of obedience will be easy. And the other key inwardly to being patient in acts of obedience is to make one's heart presence, make one's heart present with Allah in the act of obedience. So these are two inward keys to sticking to acts of obedience and having patience with them. And he says outwardly, One has patience in acts of obedience by holding oneself to them and to remaining consistent upon them. And outwardly also by entering into them with vigor, with nashat. And to perform them in accordance with the legislated way, right? The, the sunnah way of doing it. And they say the time when it's most important to stick to the sunnah is when you're most disinclined towards sticking to the sunnah. 
So you wake up tired and exhausted and you just want to like just get it done. Hold because if you can hold yourself to the sunnah there, then other times it's much easier. And having patience in acts of obedience, says Imam al-Haddad, is also facilitated by reminding oneself of what Allah Most High has promised those who obey Him, of immediate and future reward. And whoever holds fast to patience in acts of obedience reaches the stations of closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there, one will find in the acts of obedience a sweetness and a joy and an intimacy that is undescribable. So it befits anyone who attains this joy, right, the, the sweetness of obedience, right, and feels the, the, the joy of sticking to acts of worship, he says, he cautions them that whoever attains this, it is incumbent upon them not to, to be content with the joy away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? Away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because He is the point. We don't worship Allah for the buzz. We worship Allah for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the first level of patience. Patience in acts of obedience. Second level of patience is patience away from acts of disobedience. He says outwardly, patience away from acts of disobedience is, uh, is attained by making oneself leave it, number one. Number two, to distance oneself from the places and circumstances in which the disobedience may arise. So for example, if you find yourself making haram choices when you go to the mall on your own, then don't go to the mall on your own. Go with someone else. If you find yourself when you're surfing the internet late at night, you do wrong things, then don't use the internet late at night. When you like like that, if you find that whenever you get into a discussion on, on politics with your Indian co-workers, you, you get into an argument, then it's not fard, wajib, nor sunnah to discuss politics, especially when you know there's harm. So the places where there's harm, keep away from them. Don't make fun of the Pakistani cricket team, regardless of what happens with your father, because he can criticize the Pakistani t- cricket team, but you can't. Um, or whatever. So keep away from where sin is feared. Inwardly, patience in leaving sin is attained. So the outward is just holding yourself to avoid the sin. And the key, why is that important? Because initially it will be difficult, but you build capacity. First time is difficult, second time less so. Eventually, you you build the capacity of avoiding it. It's facilitated by keeping away from that which leads to the sin. Inwardly, he says, and this is an amazing key, how do you have 
Can, how can you be steadfast in leaving sin? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitate that for us. He says, by leaving, talking to oneself about it. And leaving inclination towards it. And, and this goes back to ma'rifatul khawatir. To know one, one's thoughts. And one of the most useful things one can learn in, our, in, in religion and in life is how to discipline one's thoughts. How? They say thoughts have five levels and you're only accountable from the fourth or fifth step in the thinking process. The first step in the thinking process is what's called the khatir, the first thought. You're absolutely not responsible for the first thought. Right? So you get, you get a thought about somebody. You are not at all responsible for that first thought in any way whatsoever. That's the khatir. Second step is when you consider it. Like first, the first thought, then there's first consideration. Right? It's called taraddud. So you get this idea that he's unreasonable. Or even worse, you know, he is some bad idea. So you consider it for the first time. You're not responsible for that either. But it's more dangerous now. The third level is al mail, the inclination. Now this is right, going towards slippery slope. You're not responsible for that either. The inclination. The fourth is al-azm. When you resolve, when you say to yourself, I'm going to do it. You could well be accountable at that level. The fifth is when you decide, I'm doing it. The jazm. Right? And they differ, there are different nuances in categorizing levels four and five. So, this can happen with a sin too. Someone, let's say, I have a friend who almost died because when the first halal pizza place emerged anywhere near the UFT campus, we went there. And he, he'd been through a rough he was from a Muslim family, but he had a time when he'd had pepperoni pizza. And he said, if you haven't had pepperoni pizza, you've never tasted pizza. Well, shall never taste it in this life, inshallah. So, and he, he said, and we, we, we didn't know of any halal pizza places except in the East End. So he had his first halal pepperoni pizza on Young Street. He came out, he almost died. Because he came out... They were in university, so a bit of an excuse. He was like spinning around and walked onto the traffic on Young Street. 
several cars had to like break hard not to run over my friend. He could have been Shaheed al pizza. But let's say someone has an inc- a thought occurs. Let's get the pepperoni pizza. You're not responsible for that. But then the more you go from thought to consideration to inclination, right? this is the self-talk. The more, the further you go down that, the closer you are to committing the sin. So, the safest thing is, as soon as a bad thought comes, just ignore it. And one of the things Sheikh Adib Kallas used to say is that you don't have to argue with your thoughts. Like you don't have to get into argument with your thoughts. Bad thought, just ignore it. Like yesterday, I got like 100 emails in my inbox, all from Muslim charities. Now a few of them, I have no clue why they, how and why they added me. And many I, I support and this and that. And, you know, you don't have to email me 10 times in 3 days for that, but child, they're, they're doing good. So I'm like, who are you? But do you have to refuse every email that comes to you unsolicited? No, just ignore it. So you have to do that. The more you think, the more danger in you're in. So have the inward key to avoiding, to, to being steadfastly avoiding sin, he says, is to leave self-talk with sin. So when the thought of sin comes, just ignore it. وَأَعْرِضْ عَنِ الْجَاهِلِينَ Turn away from the ignorant. You don't have a conversation. So what, what are you saying again? Like, you know, it's sinful thing comes. Turn away from it. Right? And do not even incline towards it. Because the first of the sin is a thought. Right? Because the, the beginning of sin is the thought. Is, is that first thought, the khatra. He says, as for remembering past sins, right, what about remembering past sins? Imam al-Haddad says that if the recollection of past things leads to having fear and remorse, then it is good. You're feeling lazy and you remember, you know, I've spent years just mucking about. I better get serious. Right, so if, it, if remembering past sins leads to remorse and fear of Allah, that fear of missing out, that I'm, you know, there's people who have been doing so much good and where am I with respect to that? So that's good. Otherwise, if that's not what remembering past sins would result in, otherwise, Thinking of past sins, leaving it is better. Right? And the worst kind is when you th- think about past sins, wishing you could commit it again. Right? Because that could fall under, you know, having resolve for sin, and that's a really problematic place to be. Now what facilitates patience, steadfastness in leaving sin, he says, it's facilitated by reminding oneself of what Allah has warned as the consequences for sins. 
of punishment, both in this life, of being deprived of blessings, being distanced from good, from being unsettled, and you know, and you know, and feeling contrition you know, in one's life, and in the hereafter of eternal loss. Right, and he says, and whoever is consistent in having patience in this manner, Allah will honor them with having a a, a capacity to refuse sins when their thoughts occur, right? And such that the thought of entering the fire would be easier for one than the thought of committing the least of sins. So, Sheikh Nuh Keller asked Sheikh Nuh Ali Salman, his teacher, and they'd have this internal joke. You know, Sheikh Nuh Keller would say to Sheikh Nuh Ali Salman, Sheikh Nuh, I have a question. And Sheikh Nuh Ali Salman would say, Go ahead, Sheikh Nuh. And I, saw, I visited Sheikh Nuh Ali Salman a few times with Sheikh Nuh, and they, they'd have this joke going. Like, say, Sheikh Nuh, I have a question. The response would be, Tfadal Sheikh Nuh. Right? So he said that we hear that you know, the awliya of Allah, the elect servants of Allah, have, they're protected from sins. They're not, they're not masoom. Right? They're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're not sinless and they don't, you know, the capacity of sin still exists, unlike the prophets. But Allah generally guards them from sin. He said, what is that reality? So Sheikh Nuh Ali Salman said, um, if someone offered you pork, would you agree to eat it? He said, no. He said, why? He says, because I have a, I have a di distaste and dislike of even the thought of, of eating pork. He said, the, the righteous servants of Allah have a dislike and distaste for every sin in the same way. Right? But that is acquired through these steps that he mentions of takalluf of forcing oneself to leave sin, number one. Number two, of keeping away from what leads to sin. Inwardly, by not even thinking about the thoughts of sin when they come. The third type of patience is patience with disliked matters. As-sabru ala al-makarih. Patience with disliked matters. And... This is of two types. He says the first is, the first type of patience with dislike things is patience with what Allah sends directly to one of disliked things, such as sicknesses, such as ailments, such as accidents, such as loss of wealth such as the, the death of dear ones, of, of loved ones, of relatives and friends. Right, so this is one type of patience. And this is difficult, but it's a requirement for, for being, for the fullness of faith, and for having this quality of patience. 
Once the Prophet ﷺ went to the graveyard, this woman who was was distraught at the in an undignified manner at at the death of a, someone dearly beloved to her, and the Prophet ﷺ, you know, said to her that be patient. And she said, you don't know what happened to her. She got this year, the Prophet ﷺ. So she said, I'll be patient. And the Prophet and the Prophet told her, Inna Patience is only at the first blow, meaning true patience. And the reason he corrected her, because she was someone of righteousness who should be acting at a higher standard than that. That patience is with the first blow, that, true patience. How does one have that patience with distressful things and with loss? Imam al-Haddad rahimahullah ta'ala says it, this patience is occurs inwardly by leaving despair right and any sense of heaviness at the loss why as ibn atayillah says ليخفف عنك الم البلاء علمك بانه هو بمبليك let it diminish the pain of your tribulation to know that it is he it is allah who is testing you that it is allah who is testing you right and th th this heaviness of the loss one is to know that the test is from allah the opportunity is to respond in a manner pleasing to allah ta'ala the other is to see the good in the test, right? Ibn Ata'illah also says in his hikam, إِذَا رَأَيْتَ الْعَطَاءَ فِي الْمَنْعَ صَارَ الْمَنْعُ عَيْنَ الْعَطَاءَ If you see Allah's giving in His preventing, then the preventing becomes from giving itself. Right? So someone lost a, a close relative, feel its loss, etc. But if you see that this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they'll be in in the hereafter, in a good state, etc., etc., etc. If you're patient, you have reward, etc. Then even this is for the good. And then, so that's the inward response, to leave any heaviness at the loss. And outwardly, by leaving complaint. Outwardly, by leaving complaint to anything in creation. Right, by leaving complaint to anything in creation. So they say broadly there's two types of complaint. Complaint to the creator is praiseworthy when it is accompanied by contentment. And the beautiful example of that is the dua of the Prophet at Ta'if. That I complain to you of my weakness and the disregard of people towards me, etc., etc. They said, but if you are not displeased with me, then I have no concern. فَلَا أُبَالِي right? But they say the complaining to, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the condition, this is, per, this is fine as long as it is with contentment. But complaining to creation goes against patience with distress. 
So of course a logical question arises, right? That does it mean we just let people hurt and harm us? Um, he says no. He says this is not you know, negated by describing one's ailment to the doctor, for example. That's not complaint. Because that is taking the means of rectification, right? Or crying when there is loss, right? When you lose someone, that is not complaint. And rather what, it, what goes against it is inwardly when one is objecting to Allah and outwardly when one conducts oneself in a manner contrary to what is acceptable. Now of course we're not, so we've become kind of boring, generally speaking, in our, especially, ex except for some aunties, but even aunties are becoming like quite bland. I think the cold weather calms most of them down, right? It's, we're a lot less dramatic than people used to be. And one of the benefits of traveling around the world, you see people are a lot more emotionally expressive, like of, and you know, drama is a lot more colorful, but things like, Hitting one's, you know, slapping one's face at lost and ripping one's clothes and wailing and, you know. It's like at funerals, like I was shocked, like it was a funeral on, on Friday. It just seemed like people queuing for, at the mall or something, right? Just, no, like I'm looking around, besides my friend Nadir Khan, like nobody was crying. Actually, some of the Hyderabadi uncles are actually cracking jokes, I'm like, you know, they're all older than me. That's what I'm saying. I, want, I was thinking of making a public announcement that, you know, if it's, you know, if you're going to make jokes about the person, don't, don't do it while they're being buried. But I, I didn't say anything. Um, so, complaining to creation is just when you object. They say the, and this is a type of implicit foolishness too. Because just, just complaining won't change anything. Right? So they say the, when it comes to creation, mere complaint that why is it, why, for example, people say, why did you do this? There's no rewind button to time. Right? So even if they describe why they did it, things gonna, if it's purposeful, right? If it's purposeful, it's not a complaint anymore. It's purposeful to try to help them improve their actions or where if someone's wronging you, 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 you don't complain, you Express your concern such that you can ward off harm from yourself or acquire benefits. And please do not do that because of one, two, and three. Right? Okay. Um, and, and this is not easy. They say from, from the not having patience with things that are displeasing is complaining about the weather. Right? Because implicitly you're... you're they say it's two levels of foolishness. At a practical level, you're complaining about the weather won't change the weather. It's so, it, you know, it's so gloomy today. Rarely will your saying it's so gloomy today change its gloominess. You'll actually feel it more. Right? So it won't change anything. And number two, it, implicitly you're objecting to way th the, the way things are. The practical thing is to respond to it accordingly. And if there's something to appreciate in it, and that's, that's one of the 
the things that, you know, I think here in Canada, since we have a lot less to complain about than most people, one of the things we complain about all the time, and, you know, most times we do well to do less of it. Um, the not complaining about disliked things is facilitated by knowing that feeling this sense of heaviness at the loss causes one to miss out on the reward of patience. And there's great reward for patience. And so when you, instead of responding to it with patience, when you respond to it by, feel, by having this state of heaviness, that why is this going on, etc., you're missing out. You're, you had an opportunity to be patient and gain reward. So you miss out on the reward. But number two, spiritually, you can end up causing yourself to fall into sin. One, just by objecting to Allah, but also our lack of patience can result in us. So someone, someone did something small, bad to you, so you put them down really badly, you hurt their feelings, or you wronged them. So it causes you to commit other acts of wrong, can harm relations, etc. as well. And also, complaining to someone who can't change anything, and who cannot benefit themselves, let alone you, is not a type of intelligence, right? So, also he says, one should know that complaining arises also from not having sufficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's choices for you. Right? So you decide to go and because you heard about this awesome kulfi in the, this kulfi shop in Mississauga and you, you gathered everyone, went there and they're out of kulfi. So you complain. Now, your complaint won't bring back the kulfi. Right? You could maybe ask, maybe they're keeping the kulfi for the Harun family or something. So you say, um, do you have any kulfi in the back or whatever? That is, that's a, posit that, that's a positive step. Right? But just complain. How come they're closed? Right? We just say these things. There you miss out on the virtue of being patient. Right? Of the, you, you just missed out on some reward. And it can lead to other things. You, you get grumpy at somebody. That's what's wrong with you, Hamza. Why didn't you check on, on Google? And he did, poor guy. He did check. But, you know, Uncle Bilal's pawn shop doesn't list their times, update their times on Google. So it leads to poor Hamza getting wronged, right? May Allah have mercy on him, right? And having patience in dislike things also is facilitated by remembering the great reward that Allah and His Messenger have mentioned about having patience in loss and tests and trials and tribulations. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned in the Qur'an that we will surely try you, لَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ We'll indeed try you intensely with something of fear and hunger and loss of wealth and life and fruits. And fruits meaning the, the results of one's efforts. Right? 
And then Allah Taala says, وَبَشِّرِ الصَّابِرِينَ Give glad tidings to the patients. Right? And the end of the verses, Allah Taala says, And these are the rightly guided. And who are the rightly guided? Those who respond to whatever happens in life with patience. And these amazing verses are from Surah Al-Baqarah, verses 155 to 157. Right? So you're missing out on those opportunities. And one of the most useful chapters to read from the hadith of the Prophet is a chapter on patience from Riyadhus Salihin, Gardens of the Righteous. There's amazing hadiths on, on patience. So, and we know that you know, the Prophet said that the people most, test, most tested are the Prophets. And then the, the best after them, and then the best after them. And he said, if Allah loves a servant, he sends them tests. So that's just, that's just life. And many of the early Muslims would rejoice a lot more in tests than they rejoiced if Allah granted them blessings. Why? Because they would, one of them would make dua at night crying that, Oh Allah, what have I done in life? What have I done that you honor me? as you honor the most beloved of your servants. And he had like, name it, and he, he had that problem in his life, right? So that is, um, yeah. the other thing that helps with patience over dislike things, look at the life of the Prophet His whole life story is, a, is all kinds of distressful events taking place, and his response is only contentment, but deliberate response, right? Deliberate response. Not, patience is not to be passive, right? Patience, one of the best definitions of patience is that patience or steadfastness, sabr is is to hold oneself firm on what will be pleasing to Allah. So Allah is not pleased with, with injustice. So patience with injustice is not just to don't do anything, right? It's to figure out what is the right response and to do that. Patience there is don't complain about it, but actually do something about it. And a lot of people, for example, who are stuck in abusive marriages and so on, right? they'll complain, they'll be mad about their husband or wife or whatever, but they discharge all their energy in complaining rather than actually taking the steps to do what will be pleasing to Allah, which is to get themselves out of the situation of being wronged right? by, by consulting, by considering, by coming up with a plan. Like how do I get myself out of this situation of difficulty, distress, wrongdoing, oppression, whatever it may be. And he says regarding patience with uh, distressful things, that whoever remains patient or you know, steadfast with distressful things, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make them taste the sweetness of surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sweetness of surrender, surrender to Allah. And Allah will grant them, will enliven them with the life-giving spirit of rida, of contentment. Right? Because contentment is a choice. Right? The Prophet sallallahu tells us in a hadith that 
all people will be tested. But he says, فَمَنْ رَضِيَ فَلَهُ الرِّضَى So whoever is content, theirs will be contentment. And me, meaning if you respond to whatever you're tested with, with contentment, you will find contentment in your heart and Allah will be content with you. And whoever is, uh, is angered shall find anger. Right? They'll find anger within, they'll be disturbed and the consequences will, will, will be divine anger. Right? Because, um, but of course don't judge other people who are distressed. Mercy is to help them recognize how to have contentment, but also how to pursue a path of amelioration. The second type of patience with, dis with distressful things is being patient with what people do, right? Of hurt and harm or hatred or accusation or wrongdoing, right? And this is even more difficult. They say it's, it's easier to, to deal with the blows of fate than the blows of people. Because okay? you know one's out of your control, but the other, you know, you feel like you've been... So he says, the perfection of patience is attained by holding oneself back from disliking the one who harms you. Right? And from not wishing ill for them. You, should, you, you have a full right to hate their wrongdoing, but don't hate them. You, have, you do have a right to hate the one who, who wrongs you, but the, the prophetic way is you do not hate your enemy. You hate their enmity. At the Battle of Uhud, the Prophet was praying for those trying to kill him. That, oh Allah, how can people succeed when they make the face of their Prophet flow with blood? When he's just calling them to paradise. Right? And so many other instances of his, you know. Uh, but, so one should not hate the perfection of patience there, is not to hate the one wronging you, but to hate their wrongdoing. And not to wish ill for them. But you have a right to wish that they that they be stopped from their hurt or harm or injustice. And to keep one's tongue from making dua against the person. You can make dua against their harm, that it be stopped. Um, and to leave responding negatively to them. Right? Out of hilm, out of clemency, out of clemency and out of bearing their harm. And then they say there's two types of harm, right? There's two types of harm. One harm is someone accidentally says something that, you know, accidentally hurts you in some way, but it, but it, was, it was an error, it was a mistake, it was a lapse in judgment, right? You know, you finally bought, got the kulfi, and you're carrying all this fancy kulfi, and Hamza Bhai was running to catch the store before it closed, bumped into you, and your whole kulfi tray fell and was ruined. No more. Now, technically, 
you could sort of nickel and dime him about it and say, you know, you caused me a $75 loss for, and you don't get, but you don't hold it against him. But if someone is a wrongdoer, right, then in that case, you don't hold it against them, but they say to allow, there's the difference between someone who falls into dhulm and someone who's dhalim, who's a, actively a wrongdoer. They say uh, to allow yourself to be wronged by someone who's an active wrongdoer is at least makruh. Why? Because you have a right to pursue your interests in life, your benefit in life. So if you allow yourself to be harmed, you're hurting yourself materially, but it's also, you're testing yourself spiritually. Don't think you're that strong. But number two, you're indirectly assisting the wrongdoer in doing more wrong. Because they hurt you, they'll hurt other people too. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ used an adage from the pre-Islamic times. Assist your brother, whether they're the wrongdoer or the one wronged. And the pre-Islamic Arabs used to say this. So the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, the, his companions were shocked. They said, Ya Rasulullah, we understand how to assist our brother when they're wronged. But how do we assist them when they're the wrongdoer? Because this, you know, they were surprised the Prophet would say that. Because our values is the believer only does what is right. So how would I assist my brother when they're the wrongdoer? The Prophet said, by stopping them from their wrongdoing. But you see there that the one wronging you, you view them as your brother, your sister. You have nothing against them. You want the good for them. So you stop them out of sincere concern for the good for them and to preserve the good for yourself or for whoever else as well. And no, but if the, if the hurt or harm is by a mistake or overlooking or, you know, someone makes a joke that you think is a, you know, mildly hurtful, but it's nothing that's causing you. There, the superior thing is just to overlook it, right? To have afu, to overlook. And they say the, the, the quicker we are to overlook people, the quicker Allah is to overlook our errors, right? And to, to leave matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's assisting you. Right? So this is in the Fleeting errors, not in the active wrongdoing, right? And what is, and we'll close with this, that he says, this patience with the hurt and harm of people is facilitated by reminding oneself of all that has been related in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet regarding restraining one's rage. Kazmul right? And the great virtues of bearing the hurt and harm of others, right? and the great merits of overlooking the errors of others. Al-Afu nas Allah Most High says in the Quran, So whoever overlooks and rectifies, their reward is with Allah. And whoever overlooks and rectifies, Aslaha is to make things good. So don't focus on, well, he did this and that. And, you know, and a lot of people spend their lives just bickering. Right? I have all these friends who have complaints about 101 things, but they don't actually do anything about it. Right? Rather, overlook the error, but make things better. Right? Direct your energy towards Islah, 
what what is needed to be done she says my wife called me grumpy okay, what are you going to do right? but instead if instead of overlook that focus on what will make things better which is how do we learn to talk better to each other as as a shock 2 years ago first time i had cursing take place in my office at the old hub and it was one one husband and wife and i actually was going home i had just finished a seminar i'd been in the hub from 9 in the morning to like 5 pm on a saturday i'm going home and said no no we need to talk to you i said could we set an appointment cuz and I, i had to get home we had guests coming and that's okay 10 minutes 40 minutes later she starts cursing him and he responded oh my god then it switched from i knew it's bad cuz it switched from english to punjabi and that's like a language made for you know expression um then i had to say, i had to get up i said excuse me this is the first time that any cursing has taken place in this room this is a sacred space if if you could please keep it clean um alhamdulillah but then i got them actually i sort of said okay can can we pledge something here i all i managed to do i figure out my exit i said i can leave with one thing this is pledge let's even if you're upset with each other can we agree not to insult one another say so yes so can we pledge it i made it a funny thing so we, we pledge i hereby pledge that i will not curse insult abuse malign or something else my spouse so help me god and it helped actually They're, you know a year and a half later they had a child too and they're apparently happy that's what the wife emailed me you know so and allah does not love the wrongdoers right allah does not love the wrongdoers and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and whoever is patient and forgives that is indeed from the highest of resolve right that's the, the highest of resolve and it's the things most beloved to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said whoever restrains their rage when they're able to act upon it allah most high will fill their heart with serenity and faith right whoever restrains their rage when they could act upon it if someone pushes you i could show you right instead if you just restrain it restrain your your rage when you could act upon it you could tackle hamza easily but you don't say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun to the kulfi you know allah will fill your heart well you, you may not fill your stomach with the kulfi but you'll fill your heart with faith and serenity and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said on the day of resurrection a caller will call out let's stand you let all those who forgave people stand up to receive their reward right right all those who forgave people let them stand up to receive their reward from allah so almost like a prize ceremony so whoever has this kind of patience allah will gift them with good character husnul khuluq and that is the pinnacle of all virtues in our religion right that whoever has patience with the dislike things that people do allah will honor them with good character which is the highest of virtues in our religion and the basis 
of all perfections, basis of all human perfections, kamalat. Because the Prophet said, nothing is heavier on the scales on the day of resurrection than good character. So the, he'll talk next about the relationship between patience and good character. Um, so we'll complete that tomorrow, because this is a, a long section, because patience is such a central virtue in our deen. وَصَلَّى wa سَيِّدِنَا وَنَبِيِّنَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَىٰ آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ وَسَلَّمٍ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ I'm sorry, this is a, quite a long session, but patience takes time. Alhamdulillah. And sorry for any triggering of kulfi inclination, inshallah. Thank you for listening. This lesson was brought to you by Seekers Guidance, the world's first truly global Islamic seminary. Visit seekersguidance.org to access reliable Islamic knowledge taught by qualified teachers. We offer a wide range of courses, podcasts, articles, and a world-class answer service, all completely free of charge. This is made possible solely by supporters like you. Be a partner in this blessed work by making a small donation at seekersguidance.org donate. Even $10 a month can go a long way. Our beloved Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said, Whoever guides someone to goodness will have a similar reward. So don't forget to share this lesson and join us in spreading prophetic guidance.